you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up, everybody? DJ here from Move the Sticks, along with Bucky Brooks, our podcast. We look at the NFL through a player personnel perspective, looking at teams, looking at matchups, looking at the NFL draft. You can catch us on Move the Sticks, NFL.com slash podcast, as well as iTunes. The Around the NFL podcast has 99 problems, but free agency ain't one. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. Wow. This, this feels uh, offensive in some Does way. it? Yeah. Is this offensive? I don't know. I typed in popular Japanese music in YouTube. No, I'm just kidding. It sounds annoying is what it sounds like. I like this. I think it's catchy. Yeah. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Who is this? Did you? Th- who is the recording artist? I should give them credit. <laughs> that feels fair, and I will tell you who it is in one moment. Well, I know, I know a decent. I don't really know it, but uh, Emika listened to some J-pop and some K-pop. It's a. You know. uh, first of all, I was offended that your first move was to jump to that being offensive. <laughs> uh, this is Carrie Pamu Pamu. The song is called Pan Pan Pan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she's the Kanye West of of Japan. Welcome back, buddy. Thank you. It's great, great to Kanye be back. East. I, I feel uh, very good there, Wes. Uh, I feel honored. I'm excited. You guys were cranking them out while I was gone, though. You know, uh, we the, the ship was still floating on. We did two shows last week without you. Uh, I missed last week's show, last Thursday show, uh, with my lingering uh, death rattle. And uh, Wes, I checked out the show. Wes and Mark with Colleen hosting. Really good work. B minus. <laughs> what? Wow. What? It's a good grade. If you were there, you would have not given it anything below a B plus. Well, you graded it in A before. <laughs> a minus pregrade. A minus yeah. before uh, the show itself. You know, Dan definitely checks the numbers of like who's listening to ha- at the show and, and roots against the ones he's not in. No, the metrics don't measure out that way. <laughs> if they could, I would. Uh, but no, it was an enjoyable show. Greg, it would have been a, dr- a dream for you. Tight 39. Yeah, I like them tight sometimes. I mean, when we don't have a ton to talk about or whatever, nothing wrong with leaving. I think them we actually covered in more. news. It was a pretty chalked news day. There was a lot of news items. We just we rolled. That might have been the shortest podcast we've had in a two while. and a half years. Mm. There's an interesting theory on the old Reddit page that Colleen, because of her uh, – She's in TV, so she tends to move things along quicker. Mm, interesting. And doesn't, you know, maybe doesn't allow them to breathe to the full extent like that. Well, it's certainly um, more professional when Colleen's the host. <laughs> so maybe that's what it is. It's just a more professional uh, type show. But uh, thank you to Colleen for jumping in twice last week, including uh, the pinch hitting role on Thursday. So uh, shout out to Connie Fox. Uh, today's show, the first uh, show with the full group uh, in some time. You should have asked me. I could have given you some good... Uh, what was wrong with that song? Listen to that. Mark, is this something you would listen to in your free time? Would I? Yeah. I absolutely. Why not? I, it, it, it appeals to me. And if you let it get to the chorus, it just like... It takes it just, off. Right. It, it explodes into you know new territories. I, Greg is being a little closed-minded to it, I think. <laughs> yeah, I've heard enough J-pop. Okay. Well, that's fair. Okay. Today's show is a good one. I like it. I look forward to uh, being a part of it. Um, the Tuesday or Monday edition of the Around the NFL podcast, we will uh, talk about, you know, now we are in, you know, full-on narrative mode of the off season, And it's important to, you know, cut through all the BS where we can. You can we can't foresee everything. But where we think we, we're, we're a little ahead of the curve, that's where we're going to come in today in a segment we like to call buy, comma, sell, comma, 
hold off-season narratives. So throw out some things that have been percolating throughout the NFL and uh, whether or not we should be believing what we're reading and hearing. Okay. That sounds fun, right? I I think so. Why not? Buy, sell, hold. And uh, we'll do a a bunch of news, of course. Uh, Hashtag iTunes Challenge still going on. But if you have any, I know, and I've seen on Twitter um, some buzz. Some people have they, they have there's challenges getting to the iTunes client. Uh, but do your best. Give us a, a five star rating. Leave a comment. We'll have a show coming up in the near future where we again read uh, uh, user comments, both positive and negative, of the show. So make sure you do that. Check out the subreddit NFL. Uh, on reddit.com, the Around the NFL podcast subreddit. Up over 1,500 people now, Greg. Boom. Sub Wes, Reddit. you didn't see that coming, did you? Oh, I'm a little disappointed we don't have 15,000. Well, listen, you <laughs> got to start somewhere. Wes is the only active member of the podcast that is ducking his head in there, shouting down at people that disagree with not, him. Not I, for much longer. You're, you're I believe that Colleen jumped in there once, didn't she? Connor said, I, "I think he was checking it out, right?" Yeah, I'm more of a lurker, but it's a very, it's a fun page, and it's a good way to interact with the show. And we might even use um, ideas, or you know, just lift them outright. Maybe one day you'll be listening to the show, you'll be like, "Whoa, they stole my idea without proper credit." That could be something that happens <laughs> down the line as well. All these things are in play. Uh, before we get to the news, let's say hello to the man behind the glass uh, of Irish heritage, Brandon McGinnis. We call him the Irishman. What's up, hey, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Good. I have a little thing we have to get to first. If you listen to last Thursday, Mark and Wes pick someone that they don't want to talk about anymore. That's the atomic bomb. Oh, Mark, Mark right. Sanchez. Yeah, Wes. he's out. We, I will never report on him again until the beginning of the season. Right Victor now, Cruz. the starting quarterback of the defending Super Bowl champion. Gutsy move. I like it. Until he's the starting quarterback. Well, gotcha. I'm well so you, can't, you won't talk about him on the podcast, but what if – uh, a Mark Sanchez torn ACL happens at a moment where you're the only available person to write about it on the website. ESPN.com. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. What, what else? Not sure if I, I uh, approve of this. This decision's been made, Greg. You weren't even in the country. <laughs> the boss is back, and he's not happy with some things that happened. I need. We all have these people. Wes has had people that he says he's never writing about, and Greg, you completely acquiesce to that. So I pick someone, and it's called Mark Sanchez. <laughs> okay. So I need it's you to argument. I, I have it in my hand actually. I I, okay. I didn't know this was coming, but uh, over the weekend, almost yep. impossibly, we wrote another post about Trent Richardson <laughs> titled "Trent Richardson expects to sign with Ravens." Are you f- kidding me with these posts? No more. I'm, I'm crazy. Is that your up. guy? No more, and this has nothing to do with uh, my wager with Mark Sessler about whether he'll get a carry again. Uh, can we at least wait till he actually signs with the Ravens? Enough of this. He expects to sign. He's a nobody. He's a guy. He's a draft bust. Never again will I write about Trent Richardson. Wow. There we go. It's Greg. fair because it's absurd. And no offense to Kevin Patrick who wrote the post. It's hard to write you know, five or six quality posts on a, a weekend in April. But no more Trent Richardson. I, I don't even know who. Well, we predicted that Greg would not. That you, uh, you, you love <laughs> want, all want, avenues of football. You no don't. One, you don't harbor these grudges. This falls against. under the Greg's general no. credo with life. Eh, who cares? No, it's not that. It's <laughs> I don't. No one pops to mind that's been really annoying me. I think it would be interesting if we took a month off of talking about the Browns and the Jets on this podcast. I would yes! be fine with that. That's fine. I mean, listen, I'd be absolutely fine with it. It's a 10-win outfit. Uh, you know, a lot of storylines, but... Maybe could... a week. Maybe a week. 10-win outfit. Wait till I'm on vacation. Combined a 10-win outfit. Um, <laughs> all right, let's get to some news. Nice, mirthy opening, guys, but we got to start the news with, you know, just a terrible story out of uh, New Orleans and the, the word that you're seeing attached to this story a lot... Uh, is senseless, and I think that definitely um, is the right word because Will Smith, a nine-year nine veteran of the Saints, former first-round pick, uh, Super Bowl champion with the team, um, and by everything we hear, a good dude uh, who uh, did the right things during his career and was looking to even get into law enforcement potentially after his career, he goes out with his wife and has a dinner, and then he gets shot to death in what was initially being called a road rage incident. We don't know the exact stories behind it, but this is in New Orleans um, after a dinner out. 
his car got rear-ended. He got out, had some type of altercation with the driver, and then was shot uh, to death. His wife also shot and taken to the hospital. Uh, three children left behind. Will Smith uh, dead at the age of 34. What the hell, man? This is, this is a terrible story. Yeah, and I think we're going to f- see details come out in the coming days and weeks. I believe, um, you know, the the accused, Mr. Hayes, is in court today, Monday, as we tape this. And so that's going to move along. And so we'll learn a little bit more. But it, it like you said, senseless. I mean, the, the details are kind of horrifying. He was he was shot nine times, Will Smith. And, you know, it's hard to say much about this incident other than talking about what we know about Will Smith as a, as a player or a person. And and thing, one thing that sticks out to me about Will Smith, I remember I was in new Orleans, the summer after they won the super bowl before the kickoff game against the Packers. And there's a gigantic banners hanging from the superdome. Or maybe it was in the, in the off season. They're trying to sell season tickets, like 50 foot long banners of the superdome. And there's two banners and one is drew Brees, And the other one is Will Smith. And so he's one of those guys, if you're a Saints fan, we talk about these guys like Heath Miller with the Steelers, that if you're one of those team's fans, he's your guy. He was going to be in the Saints' ring of honor. Uh, He was informed of that a month ago. They were planning to do that uh, coming up this season. So that's the type of player he was, a five-time captain, one of those guys that really made himself, as you see, part of the city. He still lived there and was really – uh, beloved by all of his teammates and in the city in general, and that's that's part of what makes it so sad. And we look at players when they come to the end of their career. Oh, they're old; they're thirty-three or they're thirty-four. But in terms of Will of Will Smith's life, it was just beginning, and he and it was emphasized that he had plans of what to do with the rest of his life. He it wasn't directionless, and I mean. We're talking about someone that could have been on the earth for another 70 years. It's it's ridiculous. And has three kids and a wife. A wife who's now have to recover from, from the shooting and and deal with losing her husband and the father to two or three kids. Terrible. Terrible news. Uh, so we'll you know keep an eye on how that plays out with the trial. Um, but moving on to football news, uh, the New York Jets uh, were uh, learned this weekend that DeBrickishaw Ferguson, their left tackle, of the past 10 years uh, has decided to retire. This comes a couple days after uh, the team approached, or I would say maybe a couple weeks after the team approached Ferguson about taking a pay cut. They have major cap issues. They're hoping hoping Ferguson could um, help them out uh, coming off a season where he wasn't quite playing at uh, the elite level earlier in his career. And instead Ferguson decided to walk away. He said that he doesn't want to play, um, at a level that isn't up to his own standards. And I think the the big stat, and he, Ferguson was always a great uh, Jet from the moment he came in as a first-round pick, but to play left tackle in the NFL, and he never showed up on an injury report, never missed a snap due to injury. The only time he, he missed one snap his entire career out of over 10,000 is when Eric Mangini in the mid-2000s called a trick play where actually Darrell Revis was the left tackle on the play. Uh, so this was a guy that literally never never missed a game and never got hurt, and he decided he didn't want to be the guy that's holding on, so he steps away from football after 10 years. Brick, you're going into the ring of honor. Yeah, it reminded me a little bit of Calvin Johnson where, you know, there were whispers in season the Lions would ask Calvin Johnson to take a pay cut, and then the Brick of Shaw Ferguson, they do ask him to take a pay cut. I think it's one of those things where you just – you're slipping a little bit and maybe it doesn't set in until someone asks you to take a pay cut. And, and, you know, maybe the pride sets in a little bit too and says, if I'm not playing at a high level, I'll just get out of the game. He also wrote an article, a a pretty interesting article, about the idea of playing for a long time and his longevity. And we just talked, it was a couple shows ago, maybe maybe it was when Greg was out of the office, I'm not sure, that we asked openly if there'd be more and more of these players that don't stretch another three, four years out of their career and it's another indication that I think we will. This is not – I don't think it's a two-year, three-year trend. I think it's a long-term trend that more of these players, whether it's money-based or, or more health-based, I think, are going to walk away. The decisions are easier when a player is made over $70 million Exactly. That helps. Exactly, because yeah. the, the money 20 years ago obviously wasn't close to the same 
Ferguson also came into the league as a, as a high draft pick and got paid top left tackle money, so that makes it easier. One thing I found interesting, you know, catching up and reading the articles about this, there seemed to be some disagreement about how prepared the Jets really were for this decision, that they had done some work maybe that, that indicated that uh, it didn't totally stun them. But then again, they were offering him a pay cut. They would have liked to keep him. Uh, I think they would have preferred, obviously, that he that he kept playing. And some accounts said it kind of blindsided them that he just quit, and the others thought you know they saw it coming. Well, yeah, I don't know because it's a big loss. It's a it's a big loss for the team, but it, at the same time, it it doesn't seem like a crazy thing that he's not with the team anymore. Todd Bowles at the combine had a really eye opening comment where he he came out and say, and Bowles is not a guy that says a lot. You know, he's, you really have to draw it out of him said that you know he did some good things did some not so good things uh they he never said that he was his roster spot was safe so i think they were they had one eye on the future even going into the 2016 season didn't have a great year last year by no. all accounts uh, by ferguson. yeah by many accounts it was a down year for ferguson so then this is what happens you know the jets need suddenly they need a new blindside protector so what do they do they call up the denver broncos and they trade for ryan clady the former or, uh, you know, one-time star left tackle for uh, Denver, who's dealt with uh, numerous injury issues in recent years. The Jets send a fifth-round pick to Denver. Uh, in exchange for Clady, they get a seventh-round pick back, uh, along with the lineman. The Jets then restructured the deal uh, with Clady, who had a big contract with Denver. He's now on a one-year deal, $6 million base value, $3 million of it guaranteed, according to Rap Sheet. Uh, it's a one-year option for $10 million. Uh, that's a player option, escalate to $13 million. So from my from my standpoint as a Jets fan, I think this is a best-case scenario for a bad situation that they were able to, within 24 hours, turn around and get a guy that's 29 years old. He's about to turn 30. He's had some injury issues. But considering the dire uh, straits, if you look at the rest of the offensive line market, uh, this could be a guy that it could work out. It was the same deal, by the way, that the Jets got for Brandon Marshall last year uh, in terms of compensation. Well, they gave up nothing for him, essentially. I mean, the Broncos had no interest in keeping Ryan Clady and gave him away. I mean, a fifth to a seventh-round pick is nothing. That's just like, hey, we held on to this guy so long to see if we get anything for him. We'll take it. We have no interest in keeping Ryan Clady uh, at a relatively low salary. I mean, he took $6 million, so you would assume he would have taken that from the Broncos. They could absolutely use a left tackle. Uh, I know they have... Uh, some young players at the position in Denver. So that is telling to they me. They signed Russell Okun. Right, beforehand. But they made uh, this decision beforehand that they could absolutely use a left tackle, and they made the decision they didn't want Clady. So I think that's that's telling. A guy that was so good and the team that knows him best and knows his injury history best re- really didn't want to keep him. Well, I mean, I think his price tag was outrageous in Denver without him taking a major cut. It worked for both teams. We wrote a post right after Ferguson announced that he was not going to play anymore. What do the Jets do now? And we ba- really, honestly, there was only one pathway that made the most amount of sense, and it was if you're going to get a veteran, go out and get Clady. It was the path of least resistance. And if you're a Jets fan and you suffered through the Glacier, what I like about Mike McCagnin is that this is two off-seasons in a row. Now, this has been sh- this, he's been throw- he has some challenging stuff thrown at him this off-season, and he's still in the middle, middle of it with Ryan Fitzpatrick. But... On Friday, they lose Ferguson. On Saturday, they fill the need so that it's not their number one burning draft hole, that they can go yeah. somewhere else with the draft. I, I think McCagnin, in two off-seasons, has done an excellent job. I mean, could it blow up? Could Clady tear his biceps in August? Sure, any player could, though. But, yeah, now this is a team well, that doesn't... he's an enormous injury risk. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's why it's not a slam-dunk move where, you know, you're, you're high-fiving. You're there's just no... There's no... Where else are you going to go for no, left tackle? It's, it's probably shot. the hardest position to find I think it's a low-to-medium-risk high reward move it's worth a shot and that's what uh, why I brought up Marshall is the same trade parameters and he was the same way whereas not an injury issue but a guy that had a lot of upside and some downside they're hoping to hit hit on Clady and they don't have a ton of draft picks so they they made that move and now can stay focused on what their initial needs were I would think I mean the thing the thing with Clady I think that shouldn't be forgotten is he's not just coming back from a torn ACL he's coming back from a Liz Frank uh, break in his foot the that year Harlan. before, and then a torn ACL. So he hasn't been on the field, and the last time he was on the field, he was a good player, but he already had had shown the signs of decline from previous injuries, I believe, from another torn ACL. So so it's a guy who's who's had a lot happen to him, but the upside is, is still tremendous. You never know what you get. Let's move on, gentlemen. Marvin Lewis has been the 
uh, head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals since 2003. Maron, Mark, how old were you in 2003? 24, 25? Uh, turn 30. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a while ago. And so now, <laughs> well, not an age shot. Just, just show, It's accurate. I have no problem with my age. Someone yesterday, I got carded at a bar. That's awesome. They were like, what the hell? Are, you're not 21. I I you got to be kidding me. <laughs> you know what? That'll be fine for me. I'll, listen, maybe, maybe it was the bartender's sight issue. Marvin Lewis has been the head coach of the Bengals since 2003. And on Friday, NFL Media's Mike Silver reported that the Bengals coach, whose contract was set to expire at the end of next season, has agreed to a deal through 2017, 2003 to 2017 at the very least, guys. Uh, this is the same Marvin Lewis who has never won a playoff game. So think about that. I mean, think about if he lives out this contract and then decides, I don't want to do this anymore. And coaches from 2003 to 2017, there's a chance he never wins a playoff game and never gets fired. It could happen. That's all in play, guys. But he's also the same coach as taking the Bengals to the playoffs five years in a row. And Wes, uh, uh, I think you mentioned it on Twitter the other day when I interviewed Solomon Wilcox about the Bengals last summer. He said everybody should love Marvin Lewis in Cincinnati because he raised the Titanic, made them a, a worthwhile franchise, maybe not successful in January, but that's why they keep bringing back Marvin Lewis. Yeah, the Bengals don't run their operation like other teams. They're a mom-and-pop franchise. They always have been, and they're very loyal to their coaches. And I think Marvin Lewis, people with short memories don't understand that every – if you combine all the other coaches under the ownership of Mike Brown – They've won 27% of their games. Marvin Lewis has won 53%. And it was it's not even just the winning. Like I remember the years where they started out 0 and 8 or 0 and 9 seemingly every year. And in the NFL, 50% of games are decided by a touchdown or a, a touchdown or a field goal. In the Bengals, it would they'd be losing by three or four touchdowns every week before he came around. So, to me, he's always going to have a long leash. And I thought the most interesting part was Mike Silver's report that Hugh Jackson and Marvin Lewis had hatched out a plan, a succession plan for two years that would have kept Hugh Jackson in Cincinnati, but mm. Mike Brown would not put it in writing. Mm. Mm. That doesn't surprise me that he wouldn't, but you would have thought that would have been inviting to uh, to Mike Brown to, to keep Hugh Jackson in the building, if nothing else, for the next two years for this window where they have a great roster. And that's why they, they shouldn't get rid of Marvin Lewis. And that's why it doesn't surprise me that they're trying to keep him. They're 52 and 27 in the last five years. So they're not just winning games. They're getting better each year. They're winning 11. Now they're winning 12 games. The roster's loaded. So you better be, you better be sure who you're replacing Marvin Lewis with before you, before you get rid of him. And by the way, all their good assistants have left them. Well, and, and he has a lot to do with that. I mean, he, he hasn't won a playoff game, but he has a legitimate coaching tree. You got Hugh Jackson at this point, Mike Zimmer, Jay Gruden. I mean, I I, I have no problem with keeping Marvel, Marvin Lewis around. I he you know, I've made fun of him before in the in the Bengals this and that. But I'll say this about about the Bengals: like if, if they from growing up when we watched the Bengals back during that horrible stretch from the post Super Bowl, post Boomer Esiason teams all the way till about. Half Till a Marvin decade. Lewis. Till Marvin Lewis, he had his ups and downs too. But up until about 2003, it was a disaster, and they were a joke. And they're not a joke today. They are not. There are other teams filling that filling that role. Well, and he he has more power than anyone not named Brown in the history of that franchise. And there was a wild press conference in 2011 after they almost fired Marvin Lewis after a four and twelve season, and he was expected to go take another job. It didn't happen. And they had a press conference where the two Mike Brown and Marvin Lewis are sitting there, and they're both pissed off. They're pissed off at each other. They're sniping at each other. There were reports that Marvin Lewis really pushed Mike Brown to get more power in the organization, to get more concessions in terms of scouting and different things that were going to happen. And oh, by the way, since 2011, that's when they're 52 and 27. That's when they've drafted really well. So it's, you got to give Lewis some credit for that. Mark, by the way, were you referring to this? Well, Marvin Lewis is an idiot. <laughs> I was, and I was also referring to two annual meetings ago when I almost kind of got into a fight with Marvin Lewis about Andy Dalton because I was pushing for Dalton to not be even on the team anymore at that point. But honestly, like he... This has grown over time, almost gotten into a fight. Was Marvin Lewis aware of this? or was Well, it he was very annoyed with me because I kept going a back fight. to the same question. <laughs> I felt antagonism, but at this point, I, I think that Marvin Lewis, and you talked about it on, on Friday too, or when this happened, was this, the whole internal scouting, that it was this, it was a nightmare. 
and he's shown that he can run a very successful scouting outfit over the last five years, if not more. He and his coaching staff are more involved with the personnel decisions in Cincinnati than just about any coach in the NFL. Mm. By the way, you know it's a, a nailed it. big polarizing yes, story. If it, it wakes Greg from his Twitter slumber post-Japan, yeah. Off Were you in weekend. Japan when that when you wrote that? No, I, w- I had just got back home, and you know, most of my family was sleeping. You know, after after the flight, and you know, I just wanted to dive back in with the hottest topic in the league. Were but, you recognized in Japan, or was Anthony Jeselnik your uh, friend? Well, yeah, Jeselnik, uh, co-host of the Rosenthal and uh, Jeselnik <laughs> Vanity Project RGVP. Oof, um, that wasn't smooth. Sorry, at all. no, not at all. Uh, yeah, he came with me. He was recognized a couple times. He was recognized a couple times by by Americans or Canadians, but that were that were in Japan. But a couple times, we went to this thing called the. I hope R- that felt good for him. I mean, I don't think he seeks it out. <laughs> no, I'm just saying it's good to be recognized. He, he seems to want to cut it down or whatever. Uh, but Would he we turn were- around and then introduce you as my friend and NFL reporter? No, and he's trying and to podcast. he's trying to end the interaction as fast as possible. Oh. But we were at this. Uh, we were at this thing called the Robot Restaurant, if you're ever in Japan, where Ooh. you would like this one, Dan. Where, I like robots. Where robots, it's it's almost like a play where robots and sea creatures and animals are fighting against each other, mm. all while driven by, by human women. I mean, it's very it, strange. It sounds remarkably stupid, but also intriguing. Yeah, it was yeah. a lot of fun. People getting very drunk there. Excellent. Uh, moving on, LaShawn, LaShawn McCoy's alleged uh, connection to an off-season bar fight is unlikely to cost him any time on the field in 2016. Rap Sheet reported Monday, citing two sources with knowledge of the situation, that the star running back is not expected to face NFL discipline uh, in the brawl that occurred in Philadelphia and involved two off-duty police officers who got uh, jacked up in the fight. Uh, the league's investigation of the incident is, is ongoing, but the belief is that McCoy will avoid a suspension. This is perhaps a surprise to the Bills. Rep report reported that Buffalo had planned all offseason for some sort of McCoy ban. So it looks like our friend Shady is going to skate completely on a bar brawl in, in which uh, cops got uh, their ribs busted in and you know the orbital socket blasted and all sorts of uh, madness. Shady skates, Teflon Shady. Tired of Shady McCoy. Philadelphia, that pure could, city, obviously. That could be your pick, Shady McCoy. For what? Not the, the guys, not to talk about. Oh, then I'd have to come off Victor Cruz. Mm. Well, I mean, Colleen. It's a tough trade. Colleen ripped into this story last week, and she pulled out, you know, an array of uh, corruption inside the Philadelphia mm. Police Department and other governmental. I think, in her agencies. defense, I think she was reading a press release by the uh, PBA of. Is well, it the Policeman Benevolent Association? Yeah, the policemen were annoyed that one of the higher it was it was a DA guy or someone like that has, you know, sort of a catalog of photos of him with athletes and right. he was overseeing this and suddenly two beaten up, you know, uh cops are they're they're out they're out on their own. Because Shady McCoy, God forbid we, you know, do anything with him. Well, it's good to see nice guys finish first <laughs> for once. Well, that's fair. Um uh, speaking of nice guys, this is a killer transition, by the way. Former Browns quarterback Johnny Manziel was spotted outside the Nice Guy Club in Hollywood this weekend uh, where he seemed to suggest he was living with Broncos star Von Miller. Here's a direct quote from Manziel, who's been partying literally every night uh, the past week in Hollywood. According to Johnny Manziel. He said himself, yeah. I'm living out here with my guy, Von Miller. Uh, Manziel said, everybody knows Von Miller, Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl MVP Von Miller, my brother. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm living with him right now. We're getting our life together. Uh, okay. okay. First of all, Von Miller doesn't have to get his life together. Von Miller is a, uh, a rich, successful professional football player that just single-handedly won a Super Bowl. You got to get your life together, buddy. And the other funny thing about this is uh, – this was now refuted that ju- they're living in the same city, apparently. Von Miller's in L.A., but the- Manziel and v- Miller are not living together. However, Mark, he does have a roommate reports percolating before we went upstairs that it's Josh Gordon who's living with Johnny Manziel who's drinking every night. This seems like a bad idea. Yes, it does. And I feel for Greg, who minutes ago um, with urgency asked that we maybe skip the Jets and Browns talk, and we're all it's all we've done. But <laughs> – you know, the, the, the Gordon re- reinstatement and all that has been held up and people didn't know why. And, and, and I'd have to ask that if the NFL had a hint of this going back a few weeks, that this is where he is, that for all the defense 
that I've made of Josh Gordon for getting you know banged for drinking a beer in an airplane. If this is your decision-making and this is who you're hanging out with, you don't clearly understand how an appeal reinstatement process would work. This could, you could not pick a worse thing to do than go a go live off Sunset Boulevard and b live with Johnny Manziel. Are you kidding me? Who's making worse decisions, by the way, Manziel, who is now speaking to TMZ and drinking, telling them that he's been out drinking, and it's like it's okay to party. You just can't you can't go out of control. And not understanding how bad that looks, or Gordon, who's well, living with a guy that's openly a party animal. That's up for. Did everyone watch this video? Yeah. yeah. Because A. Manzel is, in, in my, from what I could tell, this is just me guessing, he did not at all look to be 100% sober at all doing that video. It looks like a dirtbag, too. I, I just I mean, think that Manzel is completely. He, there was no real logic. He looks like 160 pounds soaking wet, too. It's like this guy does not look like a professional athlete training to save his career. No. Well, how many bros did he drop in this interview? Right. <laughs> Let, this is incredible. Manzel, who said he's been out in West Hollywood five to six nights in a row, <laughs> said he doesn't think NFL teams have a problem with his partying. I don't think there's anything wrong with partying, bro. There's I mean, a difference between partying and being out of control. This guy's lost. That's it. fine if you're David Ely, but this is Manziel. Well, <laughs> it in Manziel's defense, he did make a really um, impassioned and convincing pitch to the Broncos oh. during this <laughs> interview that I think that I think could win them over. Uh, just talking about them. So the Broncos, John Elway, great dude. Kubiak, Aggie, my man. Aggie, my man. Listen, great organization. Anywhere I get picked up, bro, is a blessing. Somewhere, bro, whatever happens. I love ball. I want to play, and that's the team I want to go to. I mean, they're, they they got to be listening to that. Oh, they immediately. Don, I was getting on the phone. First thing Monday morning, they had a big conference room meeting. They're like, all right, this guy's hungry. I mean, he, he, he wants, wants to be play. here. <laughs> he wants to be in the building. And I think this is the guy we bring in to defend our title. Uh, that guy's lost. Maybe we should have a Manziel moratorium. On the pod for a while. I think that would be an uh, absolutely great idea. And we should think, not Ross? have multiple yeah. Brown right, stories he, yeah. in the news. That That's good. Okay. And that's what's happening in the news. All right, guys. Uh, let's talk about it. There's narratives <laughs> all over the place in the NFL. Everywhere you look, there's a narrative. You look up in the sky. You look under a rug. You look in the closet. Boom, pops out at you. Narrative, bruh, as Johnny Manziel might say. <laughs> Uh, so let's talk about some narratives and we'll, you know, basically call BS on some narratives or maybe perhaps we'll agree with some narratives. But, you know, in, in our, I, I wouldn't call it a pre-production meeting by any any uh, stretch. But a lot of these narratives, I got the idea, will be a lot of poo-pooing on various narratives, which is more fun. So I like it. You know? A lot of I'm selling. We're going to buy, sell, or hold. You know what else We're I like? sell it. I like Mark's new wardrobe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He has the entire Tiger Woods collection polo. Uh, for, this is from your annual meeting. Yeah, yeah I have bag. what I have. What pink, I'm wearing. It's a pink Tiger Woods shirt. It's a free shirt, and my wardrobe desperately needed an injection yeah. of life. And so, you know, I, I didn't even know it was a Tiger Woods shirt until it was pointed out to me. Uh, here, logo here, here I'm going to throw out the, the first one ever in this game. I am selling the narrative of Mark stumbling around in the dark at 5:30 in the morning that we hear each time. I think you like this shirt. You know, I think you pick your shirts. You, well, you, you know, like this it. whole uh, in the dark dressing thing you've used. I don't it think too the much. listener Not knows what you're talking about. I basically I have a shift, you know, on Mondays because Kevin Patra is out at the bars by 10 a.m. Chicago time, where I'm coming in at 6:30, and that's I, going on the whiteboard. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, he, yeah, I mean, he does. No, you're right. It's a day off, so it's like I'm in my right. I'm in Kevin my Patrick's bedroom. An alcoholic. Yeah, right. I'm in my bedroom. No, you're right. He doesn't work hard enough. It's I not get, a. Pat- I get what you're this saying. isn't really about Patra. It's uh, I'm in my I'm in my bedroom and I'm looking for clothing in the middle of the darkness because I don't want to wake the whole family. And this shirt, if you could see it on screen, is like an outrageous, <laughs> like peach pink color. Yeah. And in the middle of the night, if you open my clothing drawer, it glows. And so I was like, I know what that shirt is. It's acceptable for a Monday. I'm I'm eating, I'm just, I'm gonna do that. That's what it is. Dan Dan's taking a picture. I'll put it on a uh, Twitter afterwards. Mark also wearing a brand new pair of Levi's. His buns look great in it. Formal jeans. Yeah, they're nice dark uh, black. And Mark usually rides a couple pairs that he sticks with for years. These are brand new, and I look forward to them being in the rotation for a long time to come. Thank you. I mean, it's you know the first time I went shopping in about three years. Yeah, I'm buying Mark in that shirt. By the way, I think he looks fantastic. There Enough said. Pick up the chisels. Authority. <laughs> yeah. Pick up them chisels. You look like a guy who could be at, you know, some South Florida strip clubs, just like oh. Tiger Woods. <laughs> Welcome back, Greg. That's the encouragement I'm seeking from my boss. Is this what you missed, Greg? Uh, Mark, while Greg was out. <laughs> that was a Tiger Woods shot. For any of you to take that as a Sessler shot, 
is insane. He was in Boca Raton recently. That's true. All right, let's get into it, guys. So uh, we're going to throw out some narratives, and then uh, we'll – you know, I'll throw it to you guys. I'll be, um, you know, kind of moderating it, but I'll get involved too because, you know, that's what we do. I'm not what you would call, you know, the typical host. Put it that way. I like to be in the mix. I'm not just here to set you guys up and go on your glory boy parades. Okay? We weren't questioning it, but you've made that okay. abundantly clear. Thank you. you. You're like a shoot first point guard. Yeah, that sounds right. I'll sign up. <laughs> All right, here we go. We'll start with Hugh Jackson. No, oh, I was talking about the Browns again. How did this happen? <laughs> Sorry, Greg. Hugh Jackson, uh, quote, felt the earth move beneath his feet during RG3's workout prior to signing the uh, quarterback, Chris Wessling, that is the narrative that Hugh Jackson is in love with RJ3's talent and the opportunity at a major comeback effort in 2016 and beyond. Buying, selling, or holding? I don't even know what holding is. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't either. I think I'm going to sell this. There's some part I believe that – I believe that RG3 looks good in a workout. I really believe that. He's got the tools. I think he looks great. I think the Browns are going to draft a quarterback at number two overall. And I think RG3, I'm not rolling out like a comeback season. I'm rolling out his ability to stay healthy because he can't slide and doesn't know when to throw the ball away. So you don't believe the earth actually moved beneath I don't the believe that it there literally – There could have been some tectonic plate action. I don't believe it, it – li- I don't think Cleveland has much tectonic plate action. Hughes is a salesman. Yeah, and, every and even, player he talks about, he talks in glowing terms, I've noticed. Right. He He's a – John Gruden was like this too. Reminds, Johnny Sunshine reminds me a little bit of John Gruden, and I, I believe this this was an off the record thing, but just the things coming from from the coaching staff and and Hugh, he's gonna sell it. And why? I guess well, why not? It's also lying season, so the the Browns they might be in love with the quarterback, but if they're putting it out there, oh my God, RG three is 2012 RG three. Maybe just maybe someone buys it. Although you got to be careful with that because I think players or or people around the team. It did not help John Gruden that he would always be talking up his players right before he'd cut them or bench I, them. Eventually, they, they turned yeah. on. And I don't think that helped RG3 either, who lower the expectations as, as far as they can go down, and then hopefully he exceeds. You don't have to build them up again like that. Uh, here we go. The Rams, the Los Angeles Rams, are comfortable with Case Keenum, at quarterback. We keep on hearing that the Rams, they like Case they think he's the answer over Nick Foles, and we don't need anybody else. So don't look our way. Come the draft in Chicago, Mark buying, selling, selling or holding. I don't agree with their stance, but I am buying it. Wow! It, it, it's not that I think long term they think Case Keenum is the answer, but I think that going into this season, they've made literally zero push in free agency to even look at any available quarterbacks. There's been little, very little talk about them going quarterback in the draft. There have been some whispers about them being a candidate to move up to get one of the quarterbacks, but until that happens, I I don't agree, but I think that they feel that they're in this type of team where with their defense and their running game, that if their quarterback stays healthy for 16 games, that's what they've missed all along. Again, a failed theory, and they're going to pay for it. So you're buying, you're, you said you're buying? I'm buying that wow. they think that. Interesting. I'm selling this one too. I think you're going to see Paxton Lynch or Connor Cook in Los Angeles. Or who knows? They could trade up. They're at 15. It's not that yeah. crazy. If they actually are buying on Case Keenum, they're way more lost than I even thought. Because they, they have to know that Keenum's a limited guy. They've got research a... that says otherwise. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm... They just went so hard to sell it that it's it seems a, a weird move to not believe it at all and go that hard to sell it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to surprise you. I'm holding I found something that you could hold because I think I think they are selling. I mean, I think they they do believe it because they know they might not have a choice. That maybe in their perfect world they would love to move up, and but they know that's not the reality of how things work. Those guys might get taken one two. They, you know, things haven't worked out this off season, so I wouldn't rule out them doing something. But they have to be all right. I mean, Dan, you and know, it sounds our- like Nick Foles isn't going to be on the team either. Pro Football Talk reported that over the weekend mm. in our GM roundtable slash call at one GM calls up another yes. game. Peyton Manning tried very, very hard oh. to sell himself to Les Snead, and Les Snead would have none of it. It was actually one of those things where you felt bad because you, a legend to hear him begging for a job after a brilliant career. Yeah, it was disheartening. It was tough. All right, here's another one. John Elway has earned the benefit of the doubt. We should all trust his process at quarterback. Guess what, guys? I'm selling. Everybody calm down with John Elway's infallible because he's had some nice seasons, Peyton Manning, and then just won a ring with one of the best defenses ever, which he helped build, of course. 
But he couldn't handle he's handling his situation poorly. Uh, the Brock thing was a mess. The Peyton thing lasted too long. It hung around too long. And now he's playing this like weird perverted dance with Trent Balky. And I don't like how this is playing out because now we're like. Why is it perverted? It's just gross. And we're tr- creeping into the offseason programs. Like and it's I, a, I'm getting a weird image of Balky. You, know, <laughs> you should be. Elway grinding at a nightclub with. Uh, with power, what was the what was well, the? And now you've given us game? that image. Thank you, Greg. <laughs> in, in no way should you not be thinking it's gross because it is. It's a perverted. It's like the lambada. I think they're friends, though. I think that's why this they is were. able to go on so long. Is that they have a, a good relationship? Well, guess what? They got two teams being held hostage by it, and it's going on too long. And and cut it, Elway. You, you're doing a bad job with this. You got to defend a title, and you're going to make Mark Sanchez your quarterback potentially. Come on, Juan. I'm buying every bit of this. Elway sitting back in his leather recliner in his office with oh, a feet on the table and a stogie because he has evaluated every one of these quarterbacks correctly so far. Mm-hmm. But none of them is the solution. That's why he's waiting for something to happen. But well, what's he got? He's been in seven Super Bowls. He did, I think, turning Tim Tebow into Peyton Manning was the most brilliant free agent move I've ever seen. Not only did you get rid of your Tebow problem with everyone in Everyone in Denver is an acolyte and just rooting for Tebow. He got rid of that problem and pulled off one of the best signings of all time. Well, you make it sound like he chose not to keep Brock Osweiler. I think John Elway has been so good at convincing free agents on what he wants them to do that he maybe got overconfident. He wanted the Brock Osweiler in the worst way. He butchered it, guys. $16 million a year. But I'm going to hold because I don't think – Oh, God. I'm just going to hold everything because you can't – I don't think you can sell it yet until you see what happens. I think if the, he ends up getting Kaepernick at the price he wants, then you have to give him credit. I think, though, something you just said speaks to what, what Wesleyan said about – him able to evaluate quarterbacks. Yes, they wanted Brock Osweiler. They were not about to pay what Houston was. The next one up. The AFC South is on the rise. Buying, selling, or Greg, please hold. Okay, go ahead. I am selling that. This is just another fun off-season oh, going story. Going after Mark again. I'm, this is a fun off-season wow. story. They are more interesting to watch. I guess if you wanted to say they're on the rise because they're they could be a little better than they were, sure. But if I'm rating the four divisions, I think they're the worst division in the AFC. And I think they do not really have a team that's a title contender. Sure, anyone could win that division, but I, I think the Texans might not be much better at all. Uh it wouldn't surprise me if they're worse next year. So I think it's a it's a more interesting division. I don't see it as on the rise. I'd take the West or the North or the East. Well, I'm buying because we're not saying that they're going to peak as a division this upcoming season, but they cannot be any worse than they were last year. Well, and, well that's a they lot can. different. The year before that, they were worse. That's a lot. You're, well, I, do, I do think they're on, on the, the rise. Is like multiple teams Listen, over 500. Half, yes. these, half the teams we're talking about didn't have a serviceable quarterback three seasons ago. Now, all four teams have quarterbacks you can at least say give you hope. To build and and I and I like the patience in Jags in Jacksonville. Tennessee's coaching situation is a little muddled, but Houston and the Colts get Andrew Luck back. Yes, I think they're on the rise. I think we're not going to look at them back as the worst division and a laughing stock after this season. Uh, I'm with you, I'm buying this. But because... that already happened. They're not a laughing stock now. They a couple of years the ago, South laughing stock. The yeah, South they're on the rise. They're on the rise. Tennessee didn't have anything to make them interesting. Now they have one of the most interesting young quarterbacks in the league. They've got they signed a couple of guys in free agency. Get Demarco Murray, Jackson. Oh yeah, get Demarco Murray. That will make a team exciting in 2016. All right, but you know you say that this year, last offseason, you would have said he's coming off the Offensive Player of the Year award. And then look at Jacksonville. We said for years. They've got, what, two above-average starters on the entire roster? Mm-hmm. Now, you know, they signed four or five guys in free agency who are above-average and developed some of their own. And Houston, I think, is a playoff team, so I, I definitely think they're on the rise. I guess Houston and Indy are the keys to this because they are suppo- both supposed to be kind of playoff teams potentially, and then the other teams just need to kind of hover and get closer I, to 500. I think the other two teams are the key because Jacksonville and what their offense is potentially becoming is – is extremely interesting. And if Bortles and Mariota, if they become what we think, then that whole division becomes crazy. I, I agree that they're more interesting, but the the second best defense in that division is 
who knows? And to me, you're not on the rise if you're the worst division in the conference. So I, I don't, I don't think you can be on the rise if if you're still fourth. You gotta, you gotta start. Set to go from two, fourth two, to first. Yeah, fourth to third. Also, pass one of them. I'm buying a Mariota, but I'm holding on Blake still. Let's see. Wow, with Blake Bortles as a bonus. Wow. Let's finish second happens. in the league in touchdowns last year. Yeah, but I think we know. <laughs> <laughs> I think we know right. that Blake Bortles wasn't truly a stud last year. Uh, let's look at how many of those touchdowns came stud, when it, but it he, barely mattered. He's still learning. He's still developing. You are right about the touchdowns, but I think there's a lot of reason to like Blake Portals. All right, here we go. The Eagles are serious about moving up to the first overall pick. A lot of buzz about the Titans trading out of that pick and the Eagles moving in. Mark, buying, selling, holding. I am buying it. I don't know if it's – I don't think it's going to happen. It's very hard to commandeer that kind of a swap, but they do seem – and we've heard this from multiple places that they are in love with one of the quarterbacks, and that they and that you're not going to go up to number one if it's not after one of the quarterbacks. And so I buy it. I'm sure they. That it sounds like they've probably been on the phone with Tennessee, and if the compensation is right, there's a chance they're not one of these teams that has to move up from you know the 25th spot or something. It's line season. I don't buy any pre-draft talk. Exactly. I'm selling. I'm holding. We'll see, we'll but if these see. trades do happen, then they're sure, talking but, is happening. But now. I think if the Eagles, if this is getting out there, and I was forced to just wildly guess why, it would be because the Eagles want people to trade into their number eight position. That's it. That people think they're in the quarterback market. So, so hey, we're we're a team that that could take a quarterback. So you better trade to to us. That that's the only reason why this gets out there. I think at this point in the year, I mean, it's like I, it's I like guess. the Rams and Todd Gurley last year. You never heard a peep about about that. I think if if it was something they really wanted to do, we wouldn't know about it. Brandon behind the glass, eight o'clock delight, please. The Saints could draft Jared Goff or another quarterback high in the 2016 draft. Greg, that I'm buying. Why? Breeze could be in his last year. I think I think they just they, drafted they, a they quarterback last year. Grace. Take another one. Uh, could J.J. Watt retire from the NFL early? Wes? I mean, how early? There's a lot of nuance <laughs> to this question. Guess what? <laughs> I am selling because there's a new Watt story every week. Are you paying attention? Last week, he played with five torn core muscles. He's looking for glory. <laughs> Next up, Marvin Lewis. Bengals will bury playoff loss later this month when the OTAs begin. Mark? Yes, I think I think teams do that. Yes, I, I buy that. I, I'm selling. They're, they're, they're going to stuck with ghosts. Stuck gonna, with ghosts. Wait, is he going to bury the ball? Yeah, you bury the ball. You bury I mean, the that's pass. A, that's a person-to-person scenario, but okay. Don't you feel like they're not going to? Like a couple players on the team might still get angry about it. A big chunk of the roster has moved on. I mean, but and then January comes, and they're 11-5. and five. It's still sticking with them. they got to win in January. West of us. Big Ben sheds pounds with, quote, high cardio workout. Uh, Greg, come October, he's going to be big old beefy Ben, uh, right? I, I am buying. It has been medically proven cardio workouts help you to lose weight. Uh, finally, Tony Romo says he is healed and ready for OTAs. Mark. Yeah, I think he is. I buy it. He's going to break that collarbone again. What's well, wrong with you? I don't want it to happen. It's gonna well, happen. That's that was it's collarbone shot. I've never spared it. I've never it's seen collarbone shot. I've never like seen, he's an old car. I've never seen you happier to say anything than you were to. <laughs> uh, say excuse me. Break. You're like I'm a well known. He's like he's gonna break his collarbone again, baby. <laughs> oh yeah. That's a fit. That was weird. That was ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I'm a well known Romo apologist, uh, but I do feel like the end is near, and I do think the Cowboys will. Uh, live to regret it if they don't take advantage of their high draft standing and get somebody else in the building that can throw the ball. We'll see. We need to have one. We need to have one more Tony Romo playoff run. Not I would love. Not it. that there's been a ton of them, but we need to have one at the end of his career. That's what I. Would. That would be one of my favorite non-Jets like dream subplots of him going through the NFC playoffs and shocking people. And and by the way, Wes, I know you don't like the Cowboys because of Greg Hardy, but do they get any? I was thinking about this the other day. Do they get any credit for realizing they made a mistake and completely distancing themselves mm. from him and almost being open and, and, and admitting their mistake that they've had no thoughts about bringing him back? A little uh, bit of credit. No, because have they come out and said that? Jason Garrett all but said Greg yeah. Hardy was poison at the combine. He didn't say that. Well, he's not going to. Right. But I, I would give them credit if they owned up to their mistake, but they haven't. And Jerry Jones has said, well, he's still an option. Oh, he ain't, he ain't coming, though. I'm just saying, all right, if you want, why should I give them credit for, like, basically ignoring the story? I'm, 
Greg, you know what I'm saying, right? I think they deserve a small modicum of credit for not re-signing him, assuming it doesn't happen, despite him being productive. Our standards are so Why high. Why do we need to give the Cowboys credit I'm for, just saying, uh, for not just making saying. the same mistake twice? And it's an obvious roster need, and they're still saying no. This they course-corrected. They, you know, not early on in the, in the matter, but yes. I guess, I guess we would have to give all 31 other teams right. double credit because they didn't sign him the first time. I'm just saying not no team is perfect when it comes to, you know, we're trying to bring in guys. Sometimes we overlook character. I just don't think – I think it would be unfair if Wes held Hardy over the Cowboys' head for another season. That's all. I don't know. I, uh, that's fine. I, I, I get that. I, must, I feel very strongly about – People all make mistakes. We all do. I feel very strongly about people who refuse to show any remorse or contrition. All right. So, good talk. Good talk, Wes. I just like to check in with you on certain things. Every <laughs> Thank <once> you. While. <laughs> um, sorry about your spurs last night. Yeah, that was a tough one. But the night ended better from what I understand. What's the upshot? <laughs> That's not, for the, I'm not following at all. It, it's uh, still in the playoffs and everything, right? Of course. But they had a chance to go 41 and, ho- and 0 at home, and the Golden State Warriors knocked them off. At the Alamo. We're at the point where we're talking about regular season NBA basketball. Well, it's historic, Mark. Yeah, it's Mark. There are other sports. I, I'm just saying, like, if we're going to talk NBA, let's talk playoffs. I mean, the regular season of that interminably long campaign is ridiculous. All right, Mark. You got it out of you. Well, you love NBA regular season there, action? Right. That's what you sign up for that? We, we got to go because Greg has a meeting. But I will say that the, the Golden State Warriors going into that game are 71-9. and nine. One win to tie the Bulls for the all-time wins record. On the other side, the Spurs are 39-0 and at home. No team has ever went undefeated in a whole season at home. Historic ramifications for both franchises in the regular season. That's a pretty good game to watch. That's, that's all. fair. I agree. I watched it. I don't disagree. I just, that's uh, all. I'm just know, saying. Record ratings. In December or something, I'm with you. Record I, ratings. I, I don't crazy. care about. <laughs> that's not the selling point. <laughs> That would be a good off-season pod where you just kind of riff on all the different sports that you dislike. Regular seasons. Uh, the yeah. Playoffs, they got it all going on. Have a nice time. But, I mean, give me a break. We will be back. Uh, let's do three pods this week. Why not? Is everyone okay with that? Sure. Why not? Are you okay with that? Mark? Yeah. Wes? Yeah. Let's do it. Right? Okay. We'll be back on Wednesday with another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. Let's come in on Saturday and do one. I like that. Let's do that. Seven days of podcast this week. No, we won't be doing that. But, uh, yeah, we'll be back on Wednesday with another show. Uh, until then, this is Dan Hansa signing off for The Quiet Storm. See, there's history in the NBA taking place. <laughs> the mailman, the boss. Welcome back, Greg. And the Irishman behind the glass. Till Wednesday. Has 99 problems, but free agency isn't what. It's not isn't. I think it's supposed to be ain't. Who the f- wrote this? You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.